0: Lord, we want to praise you and honor you and give you all the glory. Lord, we want to lift your name and let it be lifted up higher and higher. Lord, we long for the day when we see in that news during the week your name lifted higher. Not the name of anybody else, but yours, Lord Jesus. That our society, that our leaders, that everybody around us would be so in love with you. That they would have no choice but to but to broadcast and to, to repeat and to show how your name is being lifted higher and higher and higher. Lord, that is what we long for when your kingdom will come and your will will be done. And so Lord, we praise the name of the Lord Most High. We thank you for your name. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. It's the name above all names that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess who you truly are. And so, Lord, we honor you and we sing our praises to you and we thank you. And we ask now that as our young people go for Sunday streams and as we look into your word, Lord, we will continue to, to exalt your name, and to lift you higher in our lives and through our lives into the lives of others around us. Speak to us, we pray, as we exalt you in the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names that we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you to the worship band today for leading us and reminding us of the truths and the promises of God. It's one of the reasons why we sing is to remind us, why we worship is to connect our hearts with God's heart, but it also speaks to us of what we're going to talk about today, the promises of God. When we sing, we proclaim the promises of God to people around us, we, we say it into our hearts, we say it to one another. When we're out outside, when we're, we're walking down the street and we're singing hymns and songs and worship, we're proclaiming those promises of God to one another. And God's promises are true and trustworthy and awesome. Can we uh, flip the, the screen over, please? Thank you. We've been looking together about how we go deeper in our relationship with God. How we go down into the depths. How we go to the deepest part that we can go with God. And we said, first of all, in quick recap, that uh, first, love has got to be our motivation. If we're not motivated by love, then God is not going to take us on this journey. If love is not what is in our hearts... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind and all your strength. Love God completely. If love is not the motivation, then we're not going to get there. We can try, we can do all these kind of things, we can follow everybody else's example, but if we don't have love, it says in 1 Corinthians, if we're without love, we're, we're nothing. Absolutely nothing. And God looks into your heart, looks into my heart, and says, is there the love there that's that I see that's going to allow me to take you on this journey. And so that's the first thing. If we don't have love, then we're not going to go on a journey anywhere. We can come to church. We can do all the things. We can serve. We can do a whole raft of things. But God's not going to take you anywhere unless you have love. We love because he first loved us in 1 John 4. And it's love that needs to be the motivation. But then there are things we said that hold us back. There are barriers which keep us on the surface that stop us from diving down. And there's sin which entangles us, and we looked at what sin really is. Sin is is if you're on a golf course, do you remember and you don't get a hole in one, that's sin. You can get it as close as this, and you ah and you have to just it's a gimme. But if it's not in the hole, it's not, it's not. It's sin. Sin is Jesus said, be perfect. God said, be holy as I am holy. Be perfect as I am perfect. Sin which entangles us holds us back. And also there are things that hinder us. The hindrances are not necessarily sins, but they're things, as good as they may be, that actually holds us back from moving closer and deeper with God. Church can be a hindrance. If you come to church, if you're involved in so many things, if it takes you away from your relationship with Jesus Christ, you can be so busy doing things in the church that you end up burning out and that because you're not actually developing your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's like in a marriage. Do you know the biggest divorce rates where it really spikes in a marriage after the first few years? Do you know where it is? It's when the children leave home. When the children go off to university, there is a massive spike in the divorce rates. You know why? Because couples are investing everything in their children and not in one another. And the children leave home and they go, "Who are you?" I don't know who you are. I've been investing in my children, taking them to football and rugby and you know everything else that they have to go to. And then you invest in your, your careers. And you haven't invested in one another, and when the children leave, there is a massive spike in the divorce rate. They hang on, but they don't know one another anymore. Now, you wouldn't say that your spouse is a sin, but they can be, or your children, rather, are a sin. But sometimes they can be a hindrance to the important things, to to you spending time with your spouse. See the difference, right? So it's not a sin but it's something that stops you from doing the things that maybe you should be doing and getting that balance right. And in this case, stopping us from doing things or going deeper with God. So those are the first two. And then last week, we looked at, if we want to go deeper, we need to recognize that God has given us everything we need. His miraculous power has given us everything we need For abundant life, John 10.10, come that you might have life and have it abundantly, and godliness, being in a right relationship with God, through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory, His own internal character, and also the way that character is displayed. So we have everything that we need to go deeper with God. The question is, how do we access it? So as we said last week, it's like God has... Has put everything over here, right? This is David's corner here. And he said, David, I've looked at your life. I've seen it from beginning to end. And I'm going to give you everything you need to go deeper with me, everything you need for every blessing, for every decision, for everything that I want to do in you and accomplish through you. I'm going to put it over here. It's yours. It's in the room. It's done. It's a gift. I'm glad I, we're not preaching on this one again. It cost me uh, too much money last week. Do you remember I gave t- 10 pound away? I had to do it at the 1.30 as well. I was getting skimped by the end of the day. You know, I was glad I wasn't doing the four o'clock service. Right? It's a gift. He's already given it to us, so it's ours. The question then is, well, how do I then access everything that he's given? Right? It's there. It's got my name on it. It's mine. He's given it to me. Out of his generosity and his goodness, how do I access it? Well, he tells us in the next verse that we're going to look at today. He says, through these, so through all of that, through his character, his glory, his goodness, through, through his, uh, his gifting, through everything that he's given to us, he's given us his very great and precious promises, So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. What's he saying? He's saying the way you can access everything is through this. I've given you my promise. You can access everything that I've given to you. The divine nature. And you can escape the corruption in the world. We'll come on to that. Let's look first at this bit. He's given us his great and precious promises. Now, the first thing we need to recognize is that God doesn't need to promise us anything. Generally, when we make a promise to something, it's because it's kind of like there's a two-way thing, isn't there? You know, Tim, I'll promise I'll do this for you if you do that for me. Right? It's a promise. And then you keep your side of the bargain, I'll keep my side of the bargain. Right? You sit still here and pay attention and don't fall asleep, and I'll get you a cup of coffee afterwards. Right? It's a promise. I hope there's coffee on after I'm just uh, checking. Right? It's a promise. So you do something, I'll do something. Now, God, God doesn't have to make any promises to you and me, does He? What can we give God that He needs? Nothing. Zero. God is completely self contained. God is completely. Full in and of himself. He doesn't need you or me. And so there's nothing I can say, I can't go to God. How many times have you done this in your life? Try and make promises with God. Try and make deals with God. God, if, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. And God looks at us going like, what? Why do I want, you You know? You, you do this for me, I promise I'll read my Bible every day. Well, you should be reading it every day anyway. What's the big deal about that? You don't have to make deals with God. You can't make deals with God. But out of his generosity, out of the love, out of his heart, he has given us promise after promise after promise. They're free. They're absolute. They're irreversible. They're unchangeable because they come out of the generosity of who God is. Some person said there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible that he's given us. Over 7,000 times, God has said, I'm going to do this for you. Not because you're going to give anything back in return, I'm just going to do it. Because I love to promise things. It's like a parent promising to a child. You look at that child and they look so adorable sometimes. And, and you, you just love to promise that. You know what? I'm going to go and do this for you. Why? Because it's just out of the, the love of your heart that you do it. Not because you're going to, you tidy your room, I'll do this. It's not a deal. Sometimes you just say, you know what? Just a, let me just go buy you an ice cream. Because I know you like ice cream and, and I just want to bless you. And so you do things. God does things out of the goodness of his heart. And he does it for you and for me. Those, that's the heart of the God that we serve. Now the second thing we need to remember when we look at his promises is that we need to be careful when we read the promises in Scripture about how we claim them. Because there are different kinds of promises. Now, some promises are limited by time and space. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 24, and again in Acts 1, wait in Jerusalem, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, that's not an universal, time-unlimited promise, is it? We don't have to go all the way to Jerusalem if we want to receive the Holy Spirit, correct? Right? Otherwise, you know, it would be good for business in Jerusalem, but a bit of a, you know, difficulty for us. God promised the disciples the Holy Spirit if they stayed in Jerusalem, and he said, stay here, and I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit to you. Now, it's limited by time and space, God said, I'm going to do this in a specific time and a specific way for you guys. And it's not a general promise for us all. So you have to be careful when you read Scripture that not all the promises of God are universal promises. Some are limited. Be careful when you read. Secondly, some are limited by the genre in which they're written. Some of the Proverbs are truisms, but they're not absolutes. Train a child in the way they should go, Proverbs 22, verse 6, and when they get older, they're not going to depart from it. Now, that's true. If we train a child, but then also into that mix is you've got that child's own free will. You can train a child in the way they should go, and they decide and go, I don't think so, thanks very much for all the training, but I'm going to go my own way. So, it's not an absolute promise. It's true, but you can't say, well, if I train them, then this is definitely going to be the result 120%, right? It's not always, it doesn't always work that way. So, sometimes proverbs are truisms. And some of the proverbs there are truisms. There's two proverbs, some people say they contradict. Answer a fool according to his folly, and don't answer a fool according to his folly. And people go, see, look, the Bible contradicts itself. No, there are times when you should answer a fool and help them out, and there are times where it's a complete waste of time, so don't bother. So both are true depending on the context, right? They're truisms, but you can't just lift them and say, boom, this is it, right? If I train a child the way they're going to go, if I train my children, then they're going to be angelic by the time they turn 21, They're never going to sin. And if they do sin, then it's all my fault as a parent because I obviously was such a bad trainer of them and that's why they've gone wrong. No, there are other things that come into that. But a lot of these promises oops are general promises. Now there's two kinds. There's general conditional. John 15 verse 7 says this. This is part of the uh, the parable that Jesus tells of the vine and the branches. You can tell conditional ones because they usually have an if. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. It's conditional. Verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love, right? So there's a lot of, Promises that are conditional on us. If you do this, then this is going to be the result. If you remain in me, then you can ask. If you don't remain in me, you can still ask, but you're not going to be guaranteed the answer to your prayer. Okay? So some are conditional. But a lot of them are also unconditional. Whoops. Matthew 28. I will be with you always to the very ends of the earth. It's an unconditional promise. God is just saying, David, I'm going to be with you always to the very ends of the earth. Unconditional. Wherever I go, we know it in the story of Jonah. Wherever he went, God was with him in the belly of the fish. God was with him on that boat as he was going in the opposite direction. God was with him when he went to Nineveh. God will be with you wherever you go. You can't go away from the presence of God. Okay? Okay. So remember, when you read the promises, you need to think to yourself, now, what kind of promise is this? Because you don't want to claim a limited time and space promise and treat it as though it's an unconditional promise, right? Otherwise, we'd all be going on our summer vacation to Jerusalem. I want some of the Holy Spirit. No, you can find the Holy Spirit. We'll come to you right here. Okay? Just remember. But the promises of God are incredibly powerful, and they're powerful for a number of reasons. Firstly, because they rely on the character of God. When you make a promise, your promise relies on your character. Do you know people who constantly break promises? Yeah? You've all met them. You look at them, and you just say, well, your word is nothing. You know, like you can promise all you like, but I know that every time you promise because you've got a track record that actually you're not going to keep the promise. I've made a promise to get Tim a cup of coffee after the service, you know. Now Tim has to assess whether actually my character is such that I will go and do that or peer pressure around him or around me will actually force me to go and do that. Otherwise I'll look like I'm a liar or whether actually he may as well just go and get himself a cup of coffee because it's never going to happen. David always gets busy, he always forgets his promises, and he just, it just never happens, right? Promises come out of the character of the person who makes the promise. Now, when God makes a promise, you have the character of God behind that promise. Titus 1 verse 2 says, God doesn't lie. God cannot Lie. So when God makes a promise, you know that that promise is going to be true and trustworthy and you can stake your life on it. Because God never lies. It's outside of his character and God is true to his character. Ephesians 3.20 says he's able to do immeasurably more. He has the power behind the promise. To be able to fulfill that promise. If I said to Tim, you know what? By the end of this service, you'll have a brand new Rolls-Royce sitting outside. It'll all be yours, and I'll give you the keys. Now, I might have the heart to make that promise. I haven't got the power to make that promise come true. I checked my bank account this morning, and it doesn't quite run to a Rolls-Royce, particularly not the model that Tim would like with all the leather upholstery and everything, right? It would probably be, huh? A mini. A mini. Yeah. A, he's, you're not fussed. You'll do with a mini. My bank account doesn't even run to a mini. It runs to a little mini-mini if I bought it from, you know, from the store in a little dinky toy. Then that that might work. But you've got to have the power behind the promise to make the promise a reality. I can go get him a cup of coffee because I have the power. I know where the machine is, even if there's no one on coffee today. I can go and make him a cup of coffee. He might regret it afterwards, but I might be able to do that. I can make it... So it's reliant on the power, and God's power, as we saw last week, he has all power belongs to God. So he not only has the character to fulfill the promise, he has the power to fulfill the promise as well. And thirdly, in Hebrews 3.8, 13.8, it says that he's unchangeable. So he not only has the power, but you know that when he made that promise all those years ago, because of his unchangeable nature, that promise is as true for you and for me as it was back then. It's the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, verse 8. And so those promises are for you and for me, and we can rely on those promises. Amen? Anybody still with me? Good. Good. Right. So they're really, really powerful. That's why they're called very great and precious. Secondly, they're also backed by Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed, 2 Timothy 3.16, useful for teaching, training, rebuking, correcting in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible reaffirms, shows us, tells us the promises of God. And we can see in the Bible those promises. God has breathed into it. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what we have in our scriptures, the promises that we read, are the promises that the Spirit of God wants to give to you and to me. This is what God said. He said, you know what? They need these kind of promises. I'm going to give them every promise that they need to access all the blessings that I have for them. And so it's backed by the Word of God. And it's also backed by witness of history and ourselves. History tells us and teaches us when men and women of God have relied on the promises of God, we see their lives and what the, what the result of their lives are. You see people in history and we see it in our own lives and in the lives of those around us, what happens when you trust in the promises of God? Those promises don't let you down. Those promises are true. Those promises are reliable so that you can live your life based on those promises. And so we have this threefold witness, if you like, to why these promises are so powerful. He's given us his very great and precious promises. But he's given them so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. These promises are one of the keys to unlock the blessings that God has set aside for you. The promises of God is like him giving you a key that can go to that storehouse and you can unlock the door and open it and gain access into the promises or into the the blessings that God has set aside. Everything, he says, that you need for life and godliness. They will come through these promises. How does it work? How do we gain access in the way that God wants us to? Well, first he says, you, when you unlock them, you can participate in the divine nature. When you unlock those promises, when you rely on those promises, when you learn them, what happens is when I learn the promises of God in Scripture... They start to transform me. As I learn them and meditate on those promises. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let me read that to you. Romans 12. You know it well. says this. Therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we meditate on the promises of God, God uses them to transform me. I become more like Jesus Christ, they become part of me. I participate in the divine nature. I gradually, God uses those as I think about, as I meditate on his promises. God's spirit brings those promises and make them part of my life. And as he does that, so I gradually are transformed. We call it sanctification. I'm transformed into more and more of the character of God. I participate in the divine nature. In other words, we become partakers. We join with God in his nature. God's nature becomes more of my nature. I become less of myself and more of God. That's what happens when we participate, when we meditate on these these promises. They become more about, more of me, more of my character, more of who I am. God uses them to continually transform me by the renewing of my mind. As I focus on them, think about them, look at them, they become more of me and I become more about him. I become more in tune with God. I go deeper in my relationship with God because I understand his character more. I understand his heart more. I understand who he is more. And as I go deeper with him so that door opens wider and the blessings of God continues and start pouring into my life, it's a two-way thing. As I meditate, as I, as I ponder the, the things of God, the promises of God, which reveals his character and his power, and as I apply them into my life, so then it transforms me and I gain more and more of everything that he set aside for me. The second thing that happens is that in my decisions as I go along life's journey, they will be more in tune with what God says. The more I meditate on his promises, the more I will have the confidence to do what he's asking me to do. Years ago, I was working in the government in in this country. I was here, I was working in the government, great job, had a house, was married, married. Young son, God says, give it up, go to Canada. And I went, no, don't want to do that. Hey, this is going well, I got promoted. Stay around a couple more years, I'll get promoted again. God said, no, I want you to go and leave. Just leave everything, go to where I'm going to tell you to go to. I'm going, no, 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 that's not sensible. This This is not like, my parents won't agree to this. They won't like this. This is not a sensible thing for a young man to do. You know, you've got, a, you've got your house, you've got your mortgage, everything everything is looking good. We're paying all the bills off, we've got some left over, we can go on holidays, everything is great. I'm serving God in the local church, helping out with the youth ministry, it's all good. Lord, I'm doing everything you're asking me to do. And God said, no, I want you to leave and I want you to go where I'm going to tell you to go. And I'm like, no, no, this, this can't be right, surely Lord, why? Why do you want me to go there? Lord, like, if I go there, I haven't got a job. How am I going to support my family? Lord, if I go there, I don't even know where I'm going to go to. I'm going to land and I've got no house. I've got no future. I've got nothing. Lord, you want me to give up everything that I've got here, everything that we've worked for here, everything that we've done here and just go and land and go like, now what? That doesn't make sense. Lord, how can you ask me to do this? He said, David, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, I know the plans I've got for you. Trust in my plans. Trust in my word. I go, Lord, no, but like, you know, I'm serving you here, like I'm growing in you here. I don't want to risk all of that and go somewhere else. I don't know what the church is like over there. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, how, how am I going to know? He said, David, be strong and courageous, Joshua 1.9. I have commanded you. But I, the Lord your God, will be with you wherever you go. But Lord, how am I going to supply everything I need for the family? I won't have a job. I don't know how to get a job. I don't know how it works over there. I don't know anything. How's it going to work? Lord, I know how. I'm not going to put him in danger and risk. I, what am I going to do? What, if I can't find a job, what, what's going to happen? So Philippians 4.19 says, I will supply all your needs. Trust me. You see how the promises of God work? When you know the promises of God, they answer every fear that you have when he's asking you to make decisions. You come along to this road and you can go straight on in the way you're going, but God's saying, no, I want you to go that way. And he said, if you go that way, all my promises, I'm gonna look after you, I promised it. I promised I'm gonna watch over you. I promised I'm gonna bless you. I promised I'm gonna do these things for you. I'm giving you the choice. It's your choice. You can go straight on if you want to, but if you go the way I'm asking you to go, there's going to be so much blessing. Trust me. And so, when we have His promises, when we rely on His promises, He helps us in those decisions that we make in the journey of life. When. It feels scary to turn off in the way that we know he's asking us to, to leap when into something that He knows we know that he wants us to leap into, but we're going, Lord, I'm scared, I don't know what to do. Then the promises of God come in, and the promises of God start feeding us and saying, David, who are you going to trust in? You're going to trust in yourself and your capabilities, or are you going to trust in my promises? And the last thing, it helps us to resist temptation. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus was in the wilderness, wasn't he? And the devil came and tempted him. And said to, said to Jesus, you know, if you do this, turn this, this stone into bread. How did Jesus respond? He responded on the promises of God. He said, but the word says, the word says, the word says. And in James chapter four, verse three, it says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. He has no choice. Sorry, James four, verse seven and eight. As we learn the promises of God, when temptation comes our way, it makes us strong to be able to stand and resist. When you do not know the promises of God, you become like a reed blowing in the, in the wind. When you know the promises, you can quote the promises of God. When you say those promises, when that temptation comes, your heart and your mind and your spirit says, no, this is the promise of God and this is what I'm going to rely on. And we can resist the, the devil, we can resist the schemes, and he will flee from you. When you do not know the promises of God, you become very weak. You become the one that the lion starts looking for, the prey, the one that's easily devoured. Because you you try and resist in your own strength, you try and resist in your own wisdom, you try and resist in your own power, and you fail. And you come and you say, Lord, I've messed up again. And he's going, I've given you all the promises to stand. Now stand firm. Stand firm on the promises of God. Because that's when the devil has to leave. So when he comes, you know the promise, quote the promise at him. The word of God says this. Jesus says this. The Bible says this. God's character says this. And this is what I'm gonna cling to. And nothing else. Do you remember last week we looked at this? What is it? Frog and a horse. Depends which way you look at it. You know, in life, you always have a choice. God gives you the choice. Are you going to rely on his promises or are you going to rely on your own wisdom? The choice is yours. Because God loves us so much that he gives us a choice. God says, I'm training my children up in the way they should go so that when they get older, they're not going to depart from it. But he always gives you a choice. Are you going to rely on the promises? you Are going to rely on your own wisdom? Which is it going to be? Are you going to rely on the promises and have access to everything that he has set aside for you? Or are you going to just keep on relying on yourself and go your own way? You see, through these, through his character, through everything, he's given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, through all of those 7,000 plus promises of God, we may participate in his nature. When you have the nature of God, you automatically have access to the power of God, the character of God, everything that is of God. He says, you're going to be heirs, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. You have everything that Jesus Christ had." You have the divine nature. You can lay hands on people because you'll be so moved by the Spirit, and you know that when you pray, they're going to be made well. You know it. You don't have to worry about it, fear it, because you have the divine nature. Jesus didn't go up to people and go, Oh, I don't, I'm not sure today. Feeling a bit off today. I wonder if I'm going to get any healing today. Is God going to heal these people? No, he knew because he was in tune with God. He knew what to say. He knew what to do. The Bible says, don't fear about what you're going to say when you stand in front of people because I'll give you the words to say. The Spirit will give you the words to say. All these promises we can claim for ourselves. And we can stand against the tricks of the enemy so that we stay righteous and stay in a right relationship with God. So, where do you start with all this? You start by learning the promises of God. It's quite simple, really. The more promises of God that you know, the stronger you will be. Simple. And just to help you, because I love you so much, I've written out for you 60 promises of God. One for the next two months. Every day. And if you want to, you can take these away with you. But only take them away on condition. One that you will read one every single day. And what I mean by that is this. I've written them out. They're right here. I've got enough for everybody. I don't mean promise number one. I've I've transformed these. I got these off the internet and other places and made them up myself out of the Bible. Not made them up as in, you know, I promised to give David this. No, right? I've put them in the first person. Be strong and courageous, the first one. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged because the Lord my God will be with me wherever I go. Joshua 1.9. Now what I want you to do if you want to do this is not just to read that and go, oh great, that's my promise for today. You need to learn it. You need to learn it so that you can go, I have commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. For I, the Lord, your God, am with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. That's how you need to learn it, right? Because it's no good to you when you're in the midst of something and you're feeling terrified. And you go, oh, man, there was a, ah, oh, what was that? Where would ah, the Bible's a big book. Now, nah, there's something in there I remember reading. Nah, ah. No, it's gone. You need to learn it. So that when you face that situation, you can say, Lord, I'm at this crossroads right now. Am I going to be terrified or am I going to stand on your promise? You know what? Your promise says this, be strong and courageous. Lord, I don't feel very courageous, but I'm going to stand on this. Give me your courage. I'm not going to be terrified. I'm not going to let myself be terrified. Why? Why? Because I know that you are with me. You have promised to be with me wherever I go. And I'm going to stand on that promise. And I'm going to make that promise my promise right now. And when you do that, then those promises become, you become a partaker in the divine nature. And that promise will open that door to all the blessings that God has put aside for you and they'll start flowing into your life. The blessings that you need out of that storehouse that that moment will start flowing because you're starting to rely on the promise. And then day two, you go, God will keep me in perfect peace if I trust him and my mind is focused on him. Isaiah 26, verse three. Think about that. Learn it, but also think about it. Meditate it on it. God will keep me in perfect peace. Where do I need God's peace right now in my life? What part of my life do I need his peace? And his peace says, will only come if I trust him. Am I really trusting him? Do I have anxiety in my heart and in my life because I'm actually not really trusting him? It's a conditional promise. And my mind is focused on him. How am I focusing my mind on him today? I've got to go to work. How can I focus my mind on God while I'm at work? I've got this issue coming up. How can I focus my mind on him? How can I trust him in this issue? How can I claim this promise and make it mine today? See how it works? Does that make sense? So these are yours. When you run out, I can give you 60 more and I can keep going through 7,000. So that's quite a few years. But you can do it for yourself too. When you read a promise in the Bible and it speaks to you, underline it, learn it, write it out. The front of my Bible is full of promises, in the first, you know, in the cover. When God has spoken a promise to me and I've said, you know what, amazing, I need that. Write it out, keep it, learn it, know it, so that you may be partakers of everything that God has for you. So I'm gonna ask you this morning, the choice is yours because that's what God gives to you. You can come and you can take one of these. But if you do so, you're making a deal with God. Don't come unless you learn all 60. Don't come if you're just going, well, I've got a bit of time today, but this week's kind of busy, so I'm not sure, right? Right? These are just one line each. If you want them, they're available. Maybe we can. Can you play something? Let's just. This is not a time just to come because everybody else comes. Because God will hold you accountable for this. You see, if you want access to everything He's given to you, He said, this is the key, one of the main keys. My promises. As you apply them into your life, you will gain access to the storehouses of heaven. But you need to learn them. You need to know them. You know, Sunday school used to be well called when I was younger because they used to teach you the promises. You had memory verses every week. And then we kind of said, ah, now you don't need to do that anymore. And I kind of regret that I ever stopped because now I'm on pickup time trying to learn the promises of God do you want them just have a few moments just to pray after I've prayed search your heart let God search your heart and if God has spoken to you today and said this is what you need to go deeper with me this is what your heart is saying Lord I want to go deeper with you I want to take this more seriously than perhaps I've taken it in the past. Then come, take a sheet and start applying it into your life. And in September, as long as I remember, we're going to have a service where we have an open microphone going to have testimony time on what God is doing and how God has answered these promises in your life. Because I will guarantee you one thing, if you're serious, if you say to the Lord, Lord, this is what I really really want, this is, I'm making a commitment to you today. Then He will honor that commitment and you will see testimony after testimony in your life. Because God doesn't play games with us. When we commit ourselves to Him, he commits himself deeper into our lives. Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your promise from 2 Peter. A promise that you have given us everything that we need for life in abundance and for a perfect relationship with you. The responsibility is not yours, it's mine. To access what you have already set aside for me. You've gifted it. You've given it to me. I just need to use it in my life. I need to allow you to apply it to my life. And Lord, that application is so simple and so deep. Sometimes we miss it. It comes as we learn your promises. And as we allow those promises to become my promise as I rest my life on your promises. As I say to people around me, I say to myself, I say to the enemy, I say to you that I'm going to live my life on your promises and on nothing else. I'm going to claim those to be my own. Do not be anxious about anything. Lord, I refuse anxiety in my life. But by prayer, a supplication with thanksgiving I'm going to present all the things that would have made me anxious I'm going to give them to you and I'm going to say no to anxiety in my life because that's your promise and you've promised me then the peace of God will fall on me Lord Jesus examine my heart help me to examine it honestly today so that if I come forward and make this commitment with you I would see it through to completion and I will see what you can do in and through me when you open out those storehouses of heaven Lord we thank you and we praise you that you love us so much you didn't have to make one single promise to any of us but out of your generosity have given us everything that we need. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I invite anybody that would like to just come forward in your own time. As you do so, you make that commitment to God.